Grace, peace, and mercy to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Where did you go and what did you do this past Thursday? On Thursday, 40 days had passed since Easter. It was the day of ascension. However, we are observing it today. And I have a good feeling that next year on Thursday, May 21st, we may well have an Ascension Day service, so mark your calendars. Why would we want to do this? Well, this past Thursday, I came to work, made phone calls, communicated via text and email, made a run to Costco, visited some neighbors in our old neighborhood at 79th and Michigan Road, did some reading, and then that evening I met a few people here at church before heading home about 9 p.m., pretty full day. What did you do? On that 40th day after Easter morning, the 11 disciples were met once more by Jesus, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Oops. But Mark records next they're being given the following command. Go into all the world to proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This is where we live, in the oops of the now and not yet, while we are saint and still sinner. We need to constantly be reminded with God's Word who we are in Christ Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus was not witnessed. They only found the empty tomb, and then Jesus appeared to the Marys, disciples, and others in the 40 days leading up to his ascension. He had proven he was alive in his resurrected body as he continued his pattern of eating and drinking with them. Remember him frequently asking if they had anything to eat when he appeared or preparing the meal himself. He was not only spirit, but he was the resurrected and is the resurrected God-man, born of the Virgin Mary, now victorious over death. He had taken the condemning horror of the cross and had turned it upside down to glorify his Father in heaven. It was meant to destroy, but it brought life. Now, 40 days later, he greets his disciples once more, and while they beheld, he ascended into heaven. In an actual upward, gradual rising, he ascended until a cloud received him. He could have simply told them he was going to the Father in heaven and then disappeared. He had appeared and disappeared before on other occasions since his resurrection, like with the Emmaus disciples when he disappeared from their view at the breaking of the bread. But their witnessing his ascension makes it a historical fact that he is that, he, that is then testified to by the apostles. He did this to show them his return to the Father, into the cloud. There are two things going on in Jesus' ascension. One is his presence in heaven, the paradise of the redeemed, where those who are his forever dwell with Jesus after this life. We celebrated that wonderful promise and hope in the funeral of Wayne this past Wednesday. The other goal to which Jesus' ascension is aimed is his position at the right hand of God. 
Mark 16, 19 tells us Jesus was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And you'll notice at that point in our gospel reading, we extended we extinguished our paschal candle, signaling the end of these 40 days of Christ's resurrected journey on earth. This right hand of God is not some mere seat of honor or of rest. It is the heavenly throne of Christ's humanity. Ephesians 4.10 reads, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And Ephesians 1, 20 through 23 reads, He raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. This right hand of God is an active place. It is where Christ holds all of creation together as he has done from the beginning, But now also he has purged our sins and justified us before God. It is an active and divine dominion where he in perfect grace freely extends his righteousness to us, poor miserable sinners. His 40 days of walking with and drawing his disciples back together after they had scattered at his trial and crucifixion prepared them to testify to his being both God and man, the Messiah, anointed one in Jesus who will save his people from their sins. In this, our sins, our sinful, pitiful bodies of flesh that should delight, it is in this, our our sins, our sinful, pitiful bodies of flesh that should delight most greatly in the ascension of Christ, even though we give the occasion its own proper day of worship on our other work-a-day tasks. His ascension to sit at the right hand of God shows us the unending dominion that Christ has entered. The right hand is the place of God's power. The formula of Concord speaks thus of what we as Lutherans believe of Christ's work at the right hand of God. We hold that in his church and congregation on earth, he is present as mediator, head, king, and high priest, not in part or one half of him only, but the entire person of Christ is present to which both natures belong, the divine and the human, not according to his divinity, but also according to and with his assumed nature, that's his human nature, according to which he is our brother, and we are his flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. As believers baptized into Christ, we are baptized into his death and resurrection. He has saved us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Psalm 118 reads, The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. This valiant thing that is done is certainly done on the cross, but is also done among and for us. He fills all things with His glory and presence, but most especially fills believers with everlasting life. The end of Mark is thus, And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. The Lord Christ Jesus works among us now. We don't go handling snakes, even though Paul was bitten by a viper on the island of Malta with no ill effects. We don't drink poison to test our faith or demand the testing of faith of others. 
We don't lay hands and demand healing as proof of faith. Rather, we trust in God's gracious will in all things, in life and even especially in death. By faith, we trust He is with us through His Holy Spirit to give, strengthen, and sustain our faith in this life, through death, and into life in His glorious presence. That is what He has done for the saints that have gone before us. Most recently, Wayne Alden, Marcus James, and Ralph Madison, if you've been watching our prayer sheets in the narthex. And it is what He does for us even now. He does this as the ascended Christ. Once more, Ephesians 1, 20-23 reads, He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet. And it concludes with, And He gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. We are the body of Christ. We're joined together in the mystical union we scarcely understand, where we receive His body and His blood as His testament to His promise to be with us in His Word and sacraments, to fill us with Himself. Let that sink in. The resurrected, ascended to the right hand of God, Christ, fills us, preserves us, keeps us, body and soul, in this one true faith. At His ascension, we boldly give thanks and praise that the words of the psalmist recorded in Psalm 118, verses 14 and 15, are not for some other people back in world's history or some other group to come later, but they're for us. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. And why do we have those glad songs? It's because we are the righteous. That is, the ones made righteous by the blood of Christ, and we serve a living God who desires to be with and in us, to give His unlimited, unimaginable, and completely unmerited by us gifts of eternal life and salvation us. In the name of Jesus, amen.